Hey everyone, this is Jen Kesnick and you're listening to UBU and I'll Be Me. And I have my return guest, George Olvani on today. Hello, George. Thanks for having me, Jen. Thanks for coming on. So George figured out how to send me a Zoom link and we're doing it a different way today since he's in DC and I'm on Long Island. Um, but we are bringing you a new podcast today and we decided that we would do another book review of two different books um, and we will call this Jen and Gio's book club for sane people. Exactly. <laughs> Get it trending. Yeah well I got a lot of I hope you did too but I got a lot of positive feedback from the last time you were on um, when we were talking about the what was the title of that book it was hilarious. Everything is fucked. One of my favorites. Everything's fucked. Yep. Um, but I had a lot of people get in touch with me and they loved your perspective and um, they passed it around and shared it, which is great. That's what we want. And uh, so I was really excited to talk to you again. And we decided to talk about two books, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink and Leif Babin and The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz, which you just recently read, correct? Yeah. Um, so you read Extreme Ownership a while ago. I did. Um, I got into, I know we mentioned both books in, in the last podcast, um, but Extreme Ownership with Jocko was something that I came across a couple years ago, probably. Um, uh, it's kind of a funny story. It was probably, I think, sophomore year of college. We were uh, sitting around and one of my friends put on this YouTube video of Jocko um, and it's called Good. It's I think it's his top viewed uh, video on his channel. And he's just going through different scenarios and he's like, good. And they're all like shitty things that happen. And we were right. actually, we, like we, found, yeah, we found ourselves laughing at it in a weird way because it was so bizarre. But that's just the way that he experiences the world, I guess. Um, Jocko is a military guy. And I forget how many like, tours he did but he um he literally lives his life like the enemy is out to get him and he wakes up at four in the morning to work out because he wants to stay ahead of his competition and it's it's a crazy way to live but it's someone that um made me really stop and think like why what makes him like do that like why does he do that so i ended up picking up the book this summer and i didn't read the whole thing because I, I found it kind of intense with the with the military examples and whatnot, but I think it's, yeah. I thought, I thought it was interesting how he kind of applies it to, so like he goes through each chapter and then towards the end of each chapter, he like, there's an application part where he's like, okay, how do you apply this to business? You know, how do you, yeah, it's, um, it's basically for business leaders, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, I thought he did a good job of that. And I think, the book was intense for me. It was a little much, but I think, um, like I, I read bits and pieces of it, but I think obviously, you know, his whole thing is the extreme ownership part, which is the title of the book. Um, but yeah. I think his, his podcasts, I've really gotten a lot out of because you can really, you know, hear how like he, like his thought process. And I think his co-host is really good as well. I think it's a good balance. Um, yeah, but, and I, I and people don't realize that Jocko is also like a, a really funny guy. And I think that comes through in the podcast that, and not really in the book. The book is like, oh, like military stories, like really hardcore shit. But um, yeah, the, no, pod, the, the podcast, there's the some book. good stuff. 
Yeah. I listened to his book on audio as well as read it. And um, he's got a very commanding voice. Right. So it's kind of cool to listen to. But like extreme ownership, what I took away from it was, you know, the bottom line is accountability, responsibility, the buck stops with you. There's no finger pointing. And to accept ownership, extreme ownership, is to also have acute self-awareness and be totally honest with yourself about, you know, it's, it's like, even just look what's going on in the world now. It's like, uh, well, he does this. You know, if you're going to accuse me of this, I'm going to point out that he does this and this and this. You know, it's no one just accepts like, you're right, I did do that. That was a mistake or it wasn't a mistake or whatever, just extreme ownership. Extreme. You know, so that, I think, yeah, that goes out to the, um, you know, it's not called ownership. It's called extreme ownership. And I think it goes, you know, it goes back to that good video. I encourage people to watch it um, as ridiculous as it is. Yeah, it's, um, it's extreme. So like anything that happens in your life, you have to, like his whole thing is you have to be thinking militarily. You have to be on the offense. You have to say, okay, yes. Um, I remember taking an improv class like in middle school just for, for fun. And one of the first things that we learned, and it still stays with me to this day, it's like a fun little thing. One of the first things that we did was you have to say yes and to everything. You can't say no and like change the thing. If someone in, in, in an improv class brings something up, you have to be like, oh, yes. And I think that's kind of the same thing. Like and you have to be, to yeah. you have to be like, hell yeah, to anything that happens in your life, which is, it's, it's a weird way to, to think, but I think it gears you to kind of um, not have a victim's mentality, you know, to always stay Especially on now where, you know, there's no real guarantee of, of how like life's going to be great again or, you know, whatever. We don't know what's going to happen. It's this the new crazy. normal, the new um, normal, quote unquote. The new normal that I don't like that phrase, but um, you know, this is a, if you're feeling that life is treating you unfairly or this is unfair or I didn't want it to be like this or whatever, watch, watch the video, watch good every morning if you need to. Yeah. It's a ridiculous video. And I, I also like the podcast is it's similar to Joe Rogan style where um, they have clips that are parsed where it's like kind of the podcast is kind of chopped up so you can listen to to um, doses of it. it. Joe Rogan does that as well. So like you can listen to one topic. It's like a 10 minute thing out of the two hour podcast or whatever the case is. So he does yeah. the same thing where like you can see you can search the topic um, and kind of watch that clip of the podcast if you don't have time to listen to the whole thing. But Jocko, I would say, is one of the most interesting guys that um, I've ever come across really like he doesn't really, he kind of stands in his own category and, um, someone that really stands out to me is, um, what, uh, what also stood out to me was he has a, he has a book for kids as well. Um, way of the warrior kid. Well, yeah. Way of the warrior, which is funny. Um, cause I, I know, I think he has, he has little kids as well. So he, um, you can kind of it, it shows how this um, this way of, of thinking I guess you can say doesn't just apply to the most extreme example of like the military it can apply to if you're a, a business owner or you know a mother trying to raise her children or a school teacher whatever the case is so I think that's um, that's worth noting as well it's not just like okay this is a hardcore mindset for you know, someone who was ex-military, it's something that um, we can take bits and pieces of.
Yeah, I did a podcast with um, my cousin's children about Way of the Warrior Kid and just asked them all about, you know, like if something's hard, you know, it's, it's okay if something's hard. It's okay to like suck at something and work hard to get better at it. And I, I said to them, you know, it's important to learn how to walk into a room and, and shake someone's hand firmly and look them in the eye and say, hi, nice to meet you. My name is, you know, whatever. And, and I said to them all, like, what does Uncle Mark do every time he sees you guys? And they're all like, smokes? I'm like, no, that's not what <laughs> yeah. he does. He puts his hand out and shakes your hand firmly, says, look me in the eye. And, you know, he's, he's trying to teach you that that's the way you present yourself to the world. And um, it starts very young. I'm sure your parents drilled that into you guys. Yeah, the manners. Yes, yes, please. No, thank you. You know. Exactly. Especially in this day and age, I am shocked. Can I do anything to help? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And I think um, a funny story that my mom used to tell us growing up um, when she was when she was a kid, she would have to like after meeting new folks, her. you know, her father would be like, okay, what was that person's name? You know, what did they do? Like she, he would quiz her on, you know, the names, you know, I, I'm guilty of this. If you meet new people and like, the, it's kind of like a, you're in a, um, you're in a place with a lot of people and you kind of, you can forget the name of like, oh, like I'm George, I'm Jen, like nice to meet you. And then you forget yeah. the name right away. You echo the name like, oh, Jen, it's Jen, like nice to meet you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So little things like that. I think it goes a long way for sure. And, um, the other Jocko thing was, I think he released another book um, a couple years later, I think. It's called Discipline Equals Freedom. I've never read that one. I actually have it right here. There it is. So Discipline I think, yeah, extreme, I really extreme recommend it because first, yeah, I think it's Extreme like Leadership was the first one. Weakness. And it's two pages. You know, like, so every yeah. topic is like a bullet point. And super easy to read. And you can, again, just like you were saying with the podcast, you can open it up anywhere in the book. You don't have to read it in succession and get something out of it, you know, like yeah. every day. Yeah, that's what I kind of did with, um, with Extreme Ownership. And um, I would encourage people to check out the podcast as well. Follow them on Instagram, all that, the YouTube channel. It's a lot of good stuff. Really is. And he's on a lot of other people's podcasts too. Yeah, so his one with Joe Rogan is really good. YouTube. Yes, very good. And how do you feel like you're in DC, tensions are high right now, election is a couple days away. Like, do you feel confidently hopeful that this is not the new normal? Or like, how are you feeling these days, anxiety wise, you know, like everything? Yeah, I think, I think everyone's feeling the anxiety to a degree, right? Um, yeah. Unprecedented times. I think, um, you know, I think time will tell with how the nation will respond. Um, but um, yeah, it's, I think it's it's cool being here and kind of getting the vibe of, of the city. You know what, um, you know what people are kind of like, what the the mood is, and um, yeah, I mean, time will tell. I don't really have an answer for you. I think um, yeah. I, I was lucky enough to be here for the last election as well. Something I'll I'll never forget. It was. Mm-hmm. Um, just like that day after it was crazy. And um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it'll be, uh, it'll be interesting for sure. And um, I if hope people else, go vote. If you haven't done, yeah. 
Yeah, if you for haven't sure. done so already, go vote for sure. I think go I'm going to vote on election day. Yep. Yeah, why not? We're going to wait online anyway. Maybe it won't be raining that day. Yeah, hopefully not. Uh, so the other book that we are going to talk about is a book called The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. And so what was your impression? What was your takeaway? Yeah, so I, um, I've never heard of this book, and I'm glad that you brought it up in our last one. Um, I really like how I, it reminds you of this book called The Alchemist. I don't, I don't know if you've heard of that one by Paulo Coelho. Yeah. Mm -hmm. kind of it remind like from when, when I first picked it up just like the cover and this and like the style that it was written so the alchemist is by Paulo Coelho it's about um a person who's kind of going through his own it's a it's a fantasy book it's it's uh fiction but it's about this guy who's kind of going on his own journey to like personal realization or whatever you want to call it but I think yeah, and the meaning of his life yeah I've never read that one um start to finish but I, I've heard a lot of good things about that one but I think there are a lot of parallels with it in terms of so that book's called The Alchemist what stood out to me was how easy this read um it was first and second person so it felt like you're really having a a conversation with the with the author um yeah very easy to read and I think what also stood out was his his uh his metaphors or analogies which kind of related to The Alchemist that's why I thought they were similar um, Ruiz kind of uses, uh, I remember he was like, he uses the words magic a lot, magic, black magic, that contrast poison, you know, th like scientific things almost, um, mm -hmm. which I thought like really stood out to me. He kind of made those parallels using those phrases throughout the book. Um, and, um, I, I want to reread this cover to cover. I just went through the, the four chapters of the, the four agreements themselves, but I, I want to go back and reread the, uh, the intro and the conclusion and all those, um, those things in between. So I really enjoy yeah, it. I'm enjoying it, it so far. Yeah. Yeah. It's like 140 pages, I think. So it's quick. And, um, I agree. It is really easy, uh, to read and it resonates, you know, because everyone like the four agreements, the first one is be impeccable with your word, which right now I think is important with the fact that a lot of people get their information through memes on Facebook and just share it because they want to. And it's, I feel like it's very, very important now more than ever to really be impeccable with your word, say exactly what you mean and investigate. You know, if you hear something, um, check the source. And then, I don't know, to me, if something's outlandish, I'm like, well, let me see who else agrees with this or disagrees with this. And I'll read or watch a YouTube or hear, listen to a podcast because it's really important to be impeccable with your word and not just say things because you heard it from so-and-so's brother on Facebook. Just because it's on the internet doesn't make it true, right? Abraham Lincoln said that. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure he said that. Was it, was it him or, or Gandhi? I forgot. <laughs> That's right. Um, but yeah, I was going to go into that whole bit in, uh, I think that applies to the don't make assumptions as well. Um, yeah. But impeccable with your word, that's it's, so he says it's the foundation of the four of them. And he kind of starts with breaking it down. So impeccable, what, what does that word mean? It means without sin, um, which I was kind of caught up, caught up on because does that mean 
the goal is to kind of live your life without like these bad emotions or bad things that are happening. You know, I think, um, you know, if you live, if you live impeccably, does that mean you're perfect? I don't necessarily think so. I think that kind of ties back to his fourth one with the do your best. But, um, yeah, I, I just, what's, what stood out to me, he said it was, it's the foundation of the four, um, of the four agreements. Well, I, d- I just did Jordan Peterson's uh, 12 steps to, you know, living without chaos or whatever the name of the book is. I forget. But um, it's one of the points is tell the truth or at least don't lie, which right. reminds me of be impeccable with your word. Like we can't be perfect, um, but we can try to at least not lie. Yeah, I think the kid-friendly version of saying that is is don't bullshit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I th- I know we talked about in the last one with with um, with Kez. You know, he's the ultimate bullshit um, detector. You know, like he um, he's a straight shooter, and I think that kind of can apply to okay, don't bullshit yourself, don't bullshit other people. Um, authenticity think, yeah, is like a new success, hopefully. Yeah, and I think um, I think with the with the whole rise of the digital media age that the Gen Z kids are growing up in with the devices in their hand. I think, I know we touched on this last time as well, but I think their bullshit barometers are much higher than ours because they're exposed to so much. They have to really parse out the information and what seems, what seems real and what doesn't. I think they're much better at that than we are. Um, and I think that also the first uh, bit that you mentioned with the, the Facebook stuff and the politics, I just watched this crazy documentary called The Great Hack. I don't know if you've heard of that one on Netflix. I haven't seen that yet. Yeah, it's about um, it's about how it's about the 2016 election and how um, there was this company called Cambridge Analytica who helped apparently influence the 2016 election by pushing, um, you know, targeting voters and, and um, you know most of their budget was directed towards these Facebook ads. Um, and, um, you know, whether they were misleading or not, but I, it was very controversial. And um, that really, I, I watched that a couple of days ago. I, I thought that was, uh, that was a good one. And um, The Social Dilemma on Netflix is good. Yeah, I did. Yeah. I, I watched it a couple of times, actually. Um, I thought it was, it was interesting how all these, all the people were former execs themselves. And, and they were yes. saying, no, I don't let my teenage daughter on social media yet because I know how fucked up it is. Um, yeah. So I thought that was uh, that was a really good one as well. I would encourage people to, to to watch that one. Yeah, that was wild when they were explaining um, in it that like every single thing you look at is your algorithms are like kind of skewed to you. So not everyone yeah. is getting the same information. No, not everyone's getting Crazy. the same information. Like the old, I think the old school Instagram was like. Yeah, if you were to post a picture, right, it would show up on your feed and it's chronological. And now it's like the algorithm, each time you would refresh, it's a new piece of information and not everyone's seeing the same thing. Um, and um, I, 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 with, the, with this documentary, The Great Hack, the, they open it with this guy teaching his class and was like, how many of you have received an ad on Instagram, Facebook, whatever the case is, that you're convinced that the microphone is listening to you when you're with an app in it 
everyone in the class raises their hand. Um, I know a friend and I joke, um, we've had, we had this running joke of how like our phones were listening to us and whether it's like we're having a casual conversation and then ne- like the next day it's something so specific and, and you've never Googled for it or anything or like have searched in, like it shows up. And I, I, I always send it to him like, man, like they're always listening. And, um, so we had to do it. Like we hold the phone to our, uh, if we have Instagram open, we hold the phone up and we're like golf clubs, golf clubs, golf, golf courses. <laughs> and so all the ads are, uh, golf. And then if you so, want to like fuck with one of your friends, you can say like horrible things into it. <laughs> yeah. So we're, yeah, we're trying to like beat the system. I saw a tick, a funny TikTok is, uh, there's, there's really hilarious. Um, and I'm not ashamed that, that I'm on it. There's, there's so much funny stuff on there. Um, yeah. There's this one TikTok where the wife, um, like want, really wants the kid and the, and the dad um, doesn't and like every, every time he leaves the room, she picks up his phone. It's like pregnancy, pregnancy tests, like baby, <laughs> like showers. It's fucking hilarious. Um, that is so but yeah, funny. They are listening to you. And I think that's how the great hack starts this documentary. Um, and I mean, if you go into your settings in your phone and you open the Instagram, whatever the, the um, like the settings, if the microphone's enabled, like if you're taking a video or whatever that applies to, so like if you have Instagram open, that app is like, that's a hot mic. Um, yeah. Just shows how the advertising um, has really in a, like evolved to this point. I think it's only going to continue to grow, which is scary to think about. It is a little frightening. And I think, um, you know, like they say it on, on Rogan all the time, no one knew how big this social media was going to be when they invented it. And now it's kind of like a runaway train. Yeah. And um, I don't know about another, probably one of my favorite series on Netflix is called Black Mirror. Have you seen that one? Oh yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. The whole, for people who don't know, it's called Black Mirror on Netflix. It's um, it's a sci-fi series, different seasons. And it's called Black Mirror because your phone or screen or, um, TV screen, computer screen, whatever it is, when it's off, it's, it's a black mirror essentially. Right. And I think that's kind of an ominous, dark, um, kind of, uh, way to set the tone for the, for the series. Um, but it's about how different aspects of technology can, can, I don't want to say backfire, but I think have the most extreme consequences, um, one way or another. And still to this day, I kind of stop myself and thinking that, wow, like, um, Black Mirror, they're they're doing a, such a good job with the the latest season that we're actually living in it right now. We're living in the yeah, new season life, of Black Mirror. Life is Black Mirror. Yeah, I think that, I, I remember the the first time I went to a grocery. The first time I went to a grocery store, um, probably in like I don't know when it was, but the first time I went to a grocery store, um, like for, for yourself, like, for like, for like quarantine, probably like April, like May, I, I want to say with the, okay. with like the, the loudspeaker, like please social distance with your mask. And like, they got the tapes on the, on the ground and it's like, it does, it's so weird, man. Like, and I see an yeah. old person, I like, I go to the other side of the, the aisle and it's like, it, it still doesn't really get old for me with the masks. And, um, it's just such a weird time. Well, I think in March I said, um, when we were like not yet quarantining, but we knew COVID was happening and uh, I was like, is this the beginning of I Am Legend when like Will Smith yeah. and his family is having breakfast and the news is on like a 
virus in China and no one's paying attention to it and then cut to, you know, like doomsday. I'm like, good Lord. Yeah. What a gr- That's an awesome one. Um, I think early in quarantine, I watched um, Contagion as well. Yeah. They were showing that all the time. Like way to feed on fear people. Yeah. Contagion was uh, kind of eerily how like similar it was with the, like the meat, the like the, um, yeah, all that, like the China stuff, they start with that. And um, like those wet markets. Um, yeah. It was, and I, I think that came out um, a decent time ago. I think it was probably like 20, I'll have to look it up, but it was um, a while ago and it's, it's crazy how similar it is. Yeah. Like mid two thousands that came out, I think. Yeah. Jamie, well, it's like we're George, Jamie looked that up. Um, <laughs> Who's our Jamie? <laughs> uh, Jamie actually had Corona. I saw that. I saw that too. One bad day though. That's not bad. Contagion. You said mid two thousands. Wow. Yeah. 2011. Well, late two thousands. Um, yeah, that is, that was a crazy movie and eerily similar to what we was, what was going on. But now that, you know, COVID is still rampant, um, and you know, Beth is in Paris and France just shut down. Um, so everyone has to quarantine again. And, uh, but you know, the, the numbers, people are getting sick, but the, uh, the deaths are practically non-existent as far as I have come to see. Do you find that? Have you heard that or, you know, kind of, seen that in the news that you're watching i saw in the last debate i watched the beginning of it and um the first question was about uh covid and um i remember how like the lead into the question was how like they're like during that week that lead up they had like the record number of of like cases in a day which showing that uh, how we're like we're still very much in the in the midst of it um yeah that's what i saw but i think um I think it comes down to the vaccine, right? Um, I think we're going to yeah. be wearing the mask until we get one. I think it's, it's, it comes down to that. I don't mind the mask. I'm happy with the mask. I mean, people from I don't, China yeah. have been walking around New York City with a mask for years. I don't, yeah, I don't mind it either. Um, I got a, a couple of nice comfortable ones where I can, at our, um, our gym in our apartment, you have to wear it when you work out, which, which makes it tougher. But, um, but uh, the, you can just throw, throw them in the wash and... Yeah, you just throw them in the wash, and I used to I would wear like those um, the ones like the ones that you get at CVS. I wore that pretty much yeah. all since it started because I didn't really care enough to to get a real one. But I finally get, get yeah. gave in. I was like, listen, I'm gonna have to like get a real one. So I'm glad that I did. Oh, that's good. Yeah, I'm still walking around looking like a surgeon. I guess I need to invest myself, especially for the gym. It sucks. Yeah, it, it's it's uh. I always, I always laugh when I see like the, of course, people in 2020, you see like the bedazzled masks and how now it's like a fashion thing. I'm like, oh my God. Exactly. Uh, but, uh, right, the I, I think, one, I, oh, I think the masks are, the masks are going to be a thing. I think um, even if it ends quote unquote, I think people are still going to, like, I think um, it could set a precedent for like it in airports it, or things like that. It makes people more comfortable. Yeah. If it makes people more comfortable than who cares? Yeah, I just think like it's yeah. a courtesy thing too, like in public, you know, you don't know like 
who those people are going back to if they have like an, an old person living there or whatever. And by the way, when I was a kid, there was no seatbelt law. You did not have to put your seatbelt on until I don't even know when it was, but like I was a grown person when they made it a law and we were all like, why are you telling me to put my seatbelt on? I don't want to wear my seatbelt just because you're telling me I have to wear my seatbelt. And it's like, why wouldn't you just wear your seatbelt? Yeah. A lot was different. Like, you just have to get used to it. Yeah. Like drinking and driving, like wasn't a thing either. (laughs) It was like, it was not a big deal. (laughs) Yeah. That was just a different era, I guess. Just chalk it up to that. Exactly. We got to evolve and learn. Yeah. But yeah, impeccable with your word. And I wanted to hear your thoughts on this. So it's the foundation. I got that. But I think his culmination, from what I understood, I want to reread it, um, start to finish again. But he's saying, if you live in accordance with the four agreements, right? He says that you live without fear and you don't really experience these negative emotions, which I didn't really agree with. Like, I don't think that's realistic. Um, I, I was listening to Joe Rogan had Matthew McConaughey, McConaughey on through Zoom, actually, the same thing that we're doing. Um, uh-huh. And Joe was like, um, definitely watch. It's a, it's a really good podcast. He, McConaughey, yeah, I tells some, he tells some cool stories. Like he told the story of how um, he was on Dallas Buyers Club and got down to like 130 pounds. And he's, I think he's releasing a memoir. So he's doing the podcast tour right now. Uh-huh. Um, but anyway, so Joe Rogan was like, um, you know, I don't buy the people who say like, oh, I have no fear. I like fear is not real. I think fear is very much real. I think the negative emotions are things that people, you can't like purge yourself of that. And I, I don't know if that's what Ruiz was implying with this, with this philosophy. Like if you, if you practice this, then you don't, you never feel shitty ever, or um, you don't experience fear. So I, I wanted to hear your thoughts on that because um, that's something that Joe Rogan and Matthew McConaughey agreed with them. But basically, like, and Mark Manson talks about this as well in his writing. Like, life is not about feeling good all the time. Um, yeah. I think like the, those those shitty emotions can teach you more than the good ones ever can. So I think. Um, yeah, I was going to say I think fear is a great motivator. Yeah, and yeah. I, that what Joe, what Joe Rogan said: if I have a if I have a bad day that inspires me to not have a shitty day again. I think like if life is not like sunshine and rainbows all the time, I don't know if that's what Ruiz, like his idealistic, it seems like an idealistic book in a way, but at the same time, um, very practical because the lessons are so felt like they're so foundational. Um, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. Cause I, I I'm not, I kind of struggled with that part. Well, I think that if you practice these four agreements and the second one that we're about to talk about is don't take anything personally. Um, And that's a huge one because um, if you practice all of these, of course, you're going to have bad days. Of course, you're going to fear things. Of course, you're going to, you know, have struggle with your emotions, but you can get back to your baseline you know, way of feeling if you remember to apply these. So it's not like it doesn't exist anymore. It's that like, okay, you feel the fear and you go through it anyway. And you realize I'm going to be okay. Um, But I think fear is a great, um, a great thing to feel and to motivate you, like you said, to 
you know, not feel that way the next time that situation arises because you've already been through it and you know. I used to call um, when my kids were little and they'd want to watch Scooby-Doo and you know how every single Scooby-Doo is really scary if you're a little kid, like Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island or whatever. And they'd be getting scared and want to shut it off. And I'd be like, you got to watch it all the way through because you have to like push through the scary part to realize it's all going to be okay. <laughs> right. So whenever somebody has something that they're going through, they're like, oh, it's my Scooby-Doo. Yeah. Yep. And I think it goes back to also, um, I don't know if you agree with this as well, but I think all these agreements, so to speak, they're all related in a way. And I think it, again, mm -hmm. it comes down to like what you just touched on, the doing your best part. I think all of these are, all of these are connected. Um, but I think I definitely agree that the impeccable with your word is the foundation of the, uh, of the four. And I think something that stood out to me was how he kind of uses this analogy of our minds being this crowded marketplace where there's people everywhere and you don't know what voice to listen to. And I think living in the four agreements, as he would say, you have one voice, you're living, um, you know, you're living your truth, so to speak. And it's, it's a lot quieter. It's not this, this crowded place. And I think, um, you know, that touch bat, that touches on, you know, aspects of mindfulness and meditating, you know, things that, that you practice, yeah. um, exercise, the, the Joe Rogan podcast with McConaughey was, was really good. Um, McConaughey was doing a, a lot of reflecting, really interesting dude. Um, the podcast was like two hours. It's a really quick lesson, but, um, he was saying how, yeah, he was saying how, so he was doing a lot of reflecting for this memoir that he's releasing. And, um, mm -hmm. he was saying how he got really into journaling ever since he was young. And, um, he says journaling kind of has this stigma of like, when you're a, like a teenage girl and you're like, Oh, like Johnny broke up with me. Like I'm heartbroken. <laughs> um, but he's like, no, like I was really into it. And he would always write when things were shit in his life. Um, but when he, when he was saying, when he got in like his mid twenties, things were rolling, he had a, a job. Um, he was like, man, I haven't journaled in a while. I should probably write stuff down when things are going well. So when the shit comes again, which it inevitably will, um, you have to look sure. back on those days. What was I doing when everything was, was, was rolling. And so he was saying how, um, he was saying sweat every day, get a workout in Kagi, yeah. um, yeah. humor. He said, um, if I don't have my wink, he said, um, then I don't have anything. And then sleep actually was the third one. Um, oh, those, th those are things that he mentioned. Yeah. Well, that's a great uh, lesson to journal, not only when you're like, everything is terrible, I don't know what to do, but also like when things are going great, it's a, a great kind of lesson to have and look back on. Yeah. You're right. That's awesome. I can't wait to watch that. But yeah, the impeccable with your, before we move on to the rest of them, another example that stood out to me was the little girl who was, who was singing and she loved to do it. And her mother was having a bad day and, and screamed at her. And the girl grew up to never want to sing again or like she was very shy and um, kind of showing like the power of your word and how it's kind of a two-edged sword. I think that's a major theme as well. Like a lot of things in life can go both ways. Um, 
And so that was an example that stood out to me. And he was how, and he spoke a lot about gossip, um, which was interesting. He he said gossip is poison. It's literally like drinking poison if you gossip, um, which is kind of a paradox in a way. If you're if you're gossiping, it's almost like deflecting, and I'm and we're all guilty of it. But it's almost like if you gossip, then it, it just it, it's not a healthy thing to do. And he, I think it reflects in how like. If you're a high value person, you don't really, you're too busy with your own thing. You don't have time to really worry about how other people are doing. I think you want other people to do well. And I think that was a, one of the, one of my biggest takeaways from this book was the gossip part. He was like, gossip is poison. And, and that, that poisonous theme, like that he kind of runs with that throughout the book. Um, I thought yeah. that stood out to me as well. My friend, Stacey Gennard, who I've done podcasts with before, um, Omen the Home, she has this saying that says, um, if you're minding your own business, you know, you don't have time to mind anybody else's. Yeah. And that's, that's the truth. Like mind your business. That's not my problem. You know, I'm here for you if you need me, but it's, that's not my business. Yeah. And I think it's a challenge though. Right. I think, um, uh, I think that we're hard, we're hardwired as individuals to be attracted to the negative in a weird way. I took a, a class in, in college called the social psychology of emotion. And one of the first classes we talked about how we're really hardwired to this negativity and showing how like we're, you know, why do people love reality TV? Why do people love, um, you know, things like that? Like I, my roommate and I and his girlfriend were watching the, the, the bachelorette the other night, just like for fun, just to like laugh at how ridiculous it was but that's kind of like the same thing. It's so like outrageous and, and negative and we like shit on all the people in the show and we kind of enjoy mm-hmm. it. And so I think that kind of relates to like how like we, we get this satisfaction with negativity. And I think Ruiz is like to really turn your life around, you have to um, be impeccable with your word as he would say, and, and really just be positive. And if you do that, he said that your mind literally, literally becomes incapable of that, negativity which i thought um was an interesting way of to put it like he um is really against that that whole notion of negativity and that you should deny it but i think there are other aspects of negativity that can also be useful which that's so i thought that was interesting as well that whole that whole notion of like the positivity negativity um duality and it makes it, it brings up that question of like if we are meant to be, you know, these people who are honest and good and mind our own business and stay out of the negativity and be peaceful and kind, and why is it so easy to slide down that? Yeah, that, I, you know, I just think we're, this is what my professor said. I think it's a challenge that we face and I think it stems from evolution. You know, we, we came from, um, you know, for survival, of like, okay, you have to be looking for threats. You have to survive and get food. And it, it was tribalistic and you yeah. have to look for those, ne- like all, all that negativity. And I think we've evolved to the point where things are so good. And this is Mark Mance's whole thesis with the everything is fucked. How come everything is so good materialistically, but our world is turning to shit. It's a reflection of like, well, you know, evolutionary wise, we like, we have it so much better now but we're just prioritizing things the wrong way. Um, I think well, it comes down our, to that as well. Exactly. Our life is so good and easy and it's not meant to be. We're meant to have hard things happen and we're meant to go through hardships. We're meant to be, you know, killing our, 
our food in the jungle, not you exactly. know going through after McDonald's. Yeah. And so then we create drama where there is none, you know, like everything's so yeah. easy in my life. It's not supposed to be, I'm supposed to, I'm meant to go through hardships to, you know, better my soul and, and I'm not going through any, so I'm going to make up some drama to get yeah. through. I think that's, that's literally what it is. And Mark Manson talks, touches on that as well. Um, you know, it, there's no, there's no scenario where you have no problems in life. There's only good problems and better problems. Um, and if we don't have any, then we're going to invent some. I think that's just the yeah. way that we're, we're, we're wired. And um, that those are, that's the challenge, right? To, to stay, I think as humans, we're always looking for the next thing, the next challenge. Um, and I think that that's the, that's the, um, that's the goal, right? To kind of, to learn from each challenge and, and take, take that to the next one. And I think you have to do that in the right way and not kind of, recycle that into the next um the next chapter you know i think which is why it is so important to physically challenge yourself and joe rogan he he says he and he says this in mcconaughey as well and he's like i'm a broken record you have to you have to do hard shit every day whether it's mentally physically he says it's physically for me doing the jujitsu and what he likes to do if you if you do that you're just a much chiller person the rest of the day like you yeah. since you did you did that hard thing hard thing the rest of your day is like like well this is easy the way Matthew McConaughey put it was instead of the problems being stacked vertically on you it's laterally like after oh, okay. after he after he gets a workout in instead of all this pressure that's amounted he says you don't want to rid yourself of pressure because that's what you want that means you give a shit now, if you don't have pressure in your life, then you're not going to get better. But instead of vertically, that pressure, that overwhelming sense, he gets a workout in and it's like this, it's, it's lateral. Yeah. And he says, I just knock out one after another, after another. And he's just even keel with that instead of, oh, I got to do everything at once. Overwhelmed. Insurmountable. Yeah. I thought that was a really helpful analogy that he says um, in that cool. podcast, the, the whole vertical lateral thing. Yeah. Makes sense. Uh, I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, it's good. I'm inter yeah, I'm interested. In the, yeah, I'm interested in the memoir too. I'm sure he has a lot of good stories in there. Oh yeah, that's a good audio book to get. Yeah, definitely. It's, if you were, if he if he narrates it, yeah. All right. The second one is don't take anything personally, which is a great one because it goes along with the whole gossip thing too, as we were talking about is that anything, even if it feels personal, even if someone says or does something as you're perceived to you, it's really not. And once you kind of learn and understand that this is not about me, this is about you and how you feel about yourself and, and how you're projecting that onto me. And once you kind of realize that, life gets exponentially easier. And you don't yeah. take, you're not a victim and you don't take anything per, like that's even, even though you got mad at me and said this and that, whatever, that's not me. That's you. And then you can, I don't know, kind of go through life realizing that everyone's not out to get you. You're not the victim and it makes things easier. what do you think? Yeah. Of that? So this one, this one's the toughest one for me. I struggle with this one a lot. Um, in terms of taking things personally, I tend to take everything personally, um, yeah. in a good way and a bad way. I think it's really helped me and also hurt me in the past. 
Um, I think it motivates me, you know, like in a sports sense, like having the chip on your shoulder and doing that. I think that real that that motivates me personally. I, again, everyone's different, but I think that motivates me more than the pat on the back. And I think like as a coach, um, having different coaches um, in high school and, and, and college, things of that nature, like coaches, the hallmark of a good, good coach is knowing what buttons to push with guys. And mm-hmm. um, it's not always like lovey-dovey all the time. So I think, again, everyone's different. And I think there can, yeah. be, a, there can be a functionality to that, um, like that dark side and the negative. But the way, what you just described, the the um, in terms of not taking things personally, I think that's a much healthier way, and something that I sh- still struggle with. Um, oh, everybody but, does. Yeah, and I think um, what Ru- Ruiz says, and I wrote this quote down. He said that it's the maximum level of selfishness to take things personally, because you assume that everything's about you when really it's not. Um, exactly. That really struck it's me. It's almost narcissistic to take everything personally. Yeah. Yeah. And I think the immediate, as soon as I got to this chapter, the immediate example that I thought of was Michael Jordan um, in The Last Dance. So that was that documentary that ESPN released uh, during okay. quarantine. Mm-hmm. You watched it? Yeah. Oh, yeah. And um, it was it was good for, obviously, I'm a basketball fan, but I think just like the, the generation that didn't grow up watching him um, didn't really, it was kind of the mystique of Michael Jordan, right? Like you, you didn't really grow up watching him play, but he, again, is known as, and you put guys like Kobe Bryant in this category, like the ultimate competitor, the ultimate winner. Everyone wants to, to be like Mike yeah. and, and have the shoes and all that. The marketing. I hated him. <laughs> he's pol- the polarizing. I think there's something to be said about that. Someone who's polarizing, you love him or hate him. And yeah. um, again, so Michael Jordan. Was the, yeah. The, he's the first person that I thought of because throughout this documentary, he would, he was like, so if he was the best player in the league at the time, like the stratosphere below that, like the separation was not even close. And so he would, what he would do in the documentary kind of, shows this he would create these i don't want to say make believe like in his head they're they're real and it it shows through this documentary he's explaining this um and it's almost like they happened yesterday and you can see like the way his expressions and stuff he created these tiffs to stay engaged because he was so dominant just to stay engaged he would make shit up just to just to um to continue to stay at that level and so kobe's mambo mentality a little bit. I think Kobe's relates to the fourth one in terms of doing your best. I think if you do your best at what you do and you hold yourself to that standard, then you were, you're said to have Mamba mentality, quote unquote. But the yeah. Jordan, I think it was, um, you know, these small things were, were deep in- indignations to him and he took everything personally and that's what made him do so well. And mm-hmm. um, that's something that I immediately thought of. But I think with Jordan, the thing that um, I think it's towards the end of the documentary, they're interviewing, um, I think, a reporter who, would, who was covering Chicago, Chicago sports at the time. He was saying how the biggest thing with him was his ability to stay president. He didn't care about as much as he like would take into account things that happened in the past and kind of use those things to fuel him. He kind of his ability to stay in the present and, and he would say, why would I worry about a shot that I haven't made yet or, or taken yet? You know, he was so everything that he did, he was a hundred percent in, in the present. Um, I think he said that was like far and away his, his, uh, his most redeeming quality. Like he was so 
locked into what he was doing when he was doing it. Um, and that's something that I struggle with. Like if, if I'm doing something and I'm thinking about doing something else. Um, but the, the, the taking things personal was, uh, that's, that's the first person that I thought of. Well, interesting because maybe if you are a competitor as your profession, it's, it, you need to take things personally so you can step on someone's throat when you need to. Yeah. I think, um, that killer instinct. Right. And I think Kobe, Kobe Bryant's thing is like this, this way of thinking can be applied to any discipline that you choose to do any, any walk of life, any profession. Um, what also reminded me of this idea is, is the Gary V where everything is my fault. Like if I get hit by a car, it's my fault. Mm-hmm. The whole, I don't want to say like an entitlement, but like, okay, I'm taking everything personally. It's all my fault. Therefore I have the power to change it. But I think it, it's, I think this one's about humility. I think it's, it's realizing that things are out of your control and, and you gain more by, by letting go more. And I'm, I'm sure you practice that a lot in, in the yoga. That's a foundational thing, right? So if you, yeah. if you rele- release in that pose, then you're more successful than if you try to fight it or you're off balance, things like that. Um, so I yeah, think and there's that, some poses you yeah. hate, but you do them and you know learn something from them. Yeah, I'm I'm always interested in see if like I ask people like, oh, do you do yoga? Do you or, like, oh, I hate yoga. It's so hard. Or people say, oh, I love yoga. I get so much out of it. You know. Um, yeah. But and uh, I think if you yeah, hate yoga, it's just because it's not in your practice. You just don't you don't know about it yet. Yeah. I mean, and, somebody um, who does it regularly hates it. <laughs> right. It's challenging too. And um, the hot yoga, especially, you lose like ten pounds after doing it. But I know. Um, but yeah, this I think this was the most interesting chapter to me because it not only is it something that I struggle with most, um, it kind of touches back on those, like the the whole, the whole mindfulness that that practice, um, and I think Jocko talks about that as this as well, like the whole sense of ego. Um, yeah. you know, the, the ultimate form of confidence, and he says this in a podcast, the ultimate form of confidence is subordinating your ego. It's a paradox, whether you're in a, a work environment or a relationship, whatever, if you subordinate the ego, you elevate. And I think that's a paradox. If you try to, if you think that you're better than everyone else or, um, then it kind of backfires. So I thought that was, that's what it comes down to. And also like, and we talk about this all the time, not taking yourself too seriously. I think it's, yeah. we share this as well. Like our favorite qualities in a person is, is not being able to take yourself too seriously and laughing at yourself. I think laughing, laughing, at laughing I think laughing at yourself. Important. Yeah. I think laughing at yourself is, is the greatest superpower that you can have. Um, and again, that's like kind of a paradox in a way as well. Um, you know, holding things lightly and knowing that um, you're doing everything in your power to to um to do the best you can and do your job and um so yeah i thought this this uh this chapter stood out to me especially well there's a a thing that spiritual people have a saying for ego that they it's an acronym for edging god out and so when you are being like a narcissistic self um you know imposed person you are definitely edging God out and letting your ego be the most important thing. And when you take nothing personally, when you have humility, when you have the ability to laugh at yourself, um, all of those things 
definitely make this part of the book um, easier to understand. Uh, because it, as it says, like nothing others do is because of you. And if you think that what everybody else is doing is because of you, you have a bit of a personality problem. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a no one cares thing, right? The Mark Manson, if he worked at Starbucks, yeah. he would write, no one cares about what you do in 500 years, like get over it. Um, <laughs> exactly. Instead of writing Jen Kaznick, he would write that trait. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> oh, thanks. Which, uh, and he opens the book with that. Um, which, which, uh, was hilarious, but, um, yeah, this hilarious. one, this one was, uh, that was a good chapter. And, um, I think the, the analogy that helped me, and this is reiterating what you just said, the whole analogy of, of your life being a movie. And not only are you the main character, you are the director, you are the producer, you are the cat, you are the, the, the costume director, you're everything. Yeah. And everyone's their own director and, and producer, and we're all just living in our own movie, so to speak. And I think it really takes That's the humility right. of, of knowing that you are a secondary character in, in someone else's life. You're, you are the supporting role. Right. You're, not, you're not the main character because they're the main character in their movie. Um, unless you're like, exactly. a monk, like, unless you're like a Buddhist monk or someone who believes that everyone is like, you know. <laughs> But um, I think that he uses that example in this chapter of like the whole movie movie thing. Everyone's their own main character, and I think it takes the humil. It comes yeah. down to having the humility of like, okay, I'm not. Um, how how good of a of a supporting cast member can I be in this person's life? I think that's right. um, that's the hallmark of a good friend, a good whatever, um, good boyfriend, good husband, good mother, daughter, son, um, yeah. whatever student. Um, I think that's that's what it comes down to. I think the analogy that he uses with that helps a lot with this chapter. Yeah, I used to actually say too, when you're going to do something hard that you've never done before, like say, okay, I'm gonna teach my first yoga class ever and I've never taught before and I'm nervous. And I put myself in a role of like, this is my movie and right now I'm playing a yoga teacher, that's awesome, and everyone loves them. <laughs> and I'll I'll do the class, and I'm like success. I and you have a, and you have and you and you have a better class, don't you? Yeah. Because for if sure. you start the class like oh, like this lady doesn't know what she's doing, and and everyone hates me, then you're you're probably not gonna, you know, be your best when it, when it's that. Yeah. So I think it it does come down to you know telling stories, um, that that um that facilitate you being your, the best version of yourself. I think everyone does that. I think we all experience things through stories. Um, so I think that's helpful My in a way as well. Say, it's your movie, make it a comedy. Yeah, and I think, yeah, that's exactly right, you know. Uh, for this next one, don't make assumptions. Uh, don't be afraid to ask questions to avoid misunderstandings. And that is the truth, you know, there's, especially, you know, as you're, as you're growing up, um, it is definitely something that you don't want to put yourself out there to say, hey, that hurt my feelings. What did you mean by that? So you just think the worst and it like kind of implodes from there. Did you get that from this chapter? Yeah, I, um, with the don't make assumptions one, I think what he was missing from this. And again, I, I want to reread the, the whole thing start to finish, but the whole assumptions thing, it's not only from your perspective, right? 
it's also about other people like the whole golden rule thing of like you don't know what other people are going through so don't make assumptions about them um you know i think we we basically don't even know ourselves and i still struggle with that like how how can we know someone else if we don't even know ourselves really and um right you know i think a lot of what we think is skewed i think um i forgot what coach said this i think like um he said that you know you're never as good as you think you are and you're never as bad as you think you are um yeah and i think that relates to the whole assumptions thing and this is the first thing that you mentioned when we started um with the whole fake news age and the facebook ads um everything's politicized you know the whole aspect of the truth right so Ruiz would say if you're living in accordance with these four assumptions um, you know, you're living your truth. And I think that's challenging today because I guess everyone has their own truth. Everyone has their own version. Um, so how do we know what's, what's right, what's true and what's false? I think that's one of the most challenging things that we're, we're experiencing right now in terms of that, um, in terms of the truth, like the challenge is everyone has their own. So how do you know which is right and which is wrong? I think, um, something that, that I often, I was, talking about this with a friend the other day, um, how a version of you, everyone has their own version of you in their own minds. You know, you're not the same person to everybody. Um, you know, you can, you can be the villain in one person's life and the hero in the next. And I think that goes right. back to everyone, everyone's their own movie and they're the, the director. So you're casted differently in other, in other people's movies. Um, yeah, and then all of a sudden, like, I'm the villain in your movie, but I'm the hero. What are you talking about? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, something that Ruiz says is, um, yeah, it's, 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 again, having that empathy of not making assumptions and, and that being the essence of this third agreement. Um, and, and, you know, having that ability to be empathetic with other people and i think if you experience more things that facilitates that um but i think it's certain certainly challenging especially considering the climate that we're living in um to not make assumptions not only about yourself but about other people yeah it's the truth um especially there's this show that was on way before your time because i was a kid when it was on it was called three's company i don't know if you ever heard of it or saw it but it was a, a guy who was living with these two girls and there was always a misunderstanding. And even me as a kid would be like, if you just talked about it, you would not have this whole show. Like, because it was always a three's company misunderstanding that was like the neighbors think this and somebody overheard that and somebody saw that. And the whole thing was, because the whole entire preface of the show was assumptions. And, yeah, I'm uh, sure it was kind of, it was kind of funny in that way probably. It was hilarious, I guess at the time, but um also annoying because after a while it's like why don't, why don't they just talk about it? Why right. does it have to be a thing every week? <laughs> yeah, the elephant in the room, right? I think um And so that's also like don't be afraid to communicate cuz there's always a way to say something even when it's difficult. You know, there's always a way to talk about something, even if it's a topic that you don't want to talk about. There's a way to say anything. As they say, it's all in the delivery. And it's the way you say something to someone. Um, you, you know how to speak to someone where they're not going to get offended or upset or, you know, like, we can just have a conversation. It doesn't have to be a, you know, combative thing. 
it can yeah. just be communicating. I think that get gets lost in the in the way we communicate today, right? With the texting and things can get taken out of context, right? Um, you know, I think the best way is to you know hop on the phone and and call somebody. Um, yeah. And um, I'm not the best texter myself, but um, I think that relates as well. And I think something that Rui says with the whole assumptions thing, if if I were to say something that hurt you and you're like, well, George, that really hurt me. Those are wounds that you have that I touch. That's what Rui says. It's not like I'm right. creating those. You have those within yourself. That's um, a trigger. Say that to me. Yeah, right. <laughs> which, yeah, um, which I thought stood out to me as well. It's, uh, and it's something that I didn't really think of it that way before. Um, so if you're, if you're like whole, you're not affected by those things. Um, the black magic, as he would call it, the black conditions, um, you're, you know, you're even keel because you know yourself. And, um, I think that comes, that circles back to the don't make assumptions. You know, I think stay in your own lane and, and, um, do the best you can to, to find the information that, that's correct and, and real and, and considering the counter arguments rather than, you know, the way that we experience media today, working in it, everything is through your own lens. You follow the things that you want to follow and you agree with the things that you want to agree with. And it's scary how targeted it is. And, and um, once, you, once you like two things, you know, all of a sudden it, your algorithm is, all right, goes I'm going to show it you goes in, this. It goes into the algorithm because it, it, it's an attention game. It's they want you to stay on it as much as, as possible. And so they'll show you it's, it's a psychology thing. You know, we talk about this in class, like you're, you're more likely to, you're going to look for the things that you want to see. Um, right. You know, if I go in with the assumption that Jen Kesnick is a bad dancer and you start dancing, I'm going to think that you're a bad dancer because I'm going to find little things that you do. If I think, oh, right. Jen's like a really fun person and, and she like likes to have fun and you start dancing, I'm like, oh, that reinforces my belief, that assumption. Okay. Um, and I, again, that comes back to the evolutionary thing of how we're wired, I feel like, of how we're, we're wired to make these assumptions fast because it's a survival thing. We want to, you know, it's self-preservation. You have to make judgments to, to survive in advance. And um I think but the, the, quick, the quick thinking that we needed to survive in the jungle is not that way anymore. So we make it about this stuff. H- hence, hence the fucked upness, you know, yeah. and um, <laughs> that's Mark Manson wrote a whole book about it. Um, so I think that was an interesting, interesting one as well with the don't make assumptions for the third one. All right. I'm looking at the time that whistle is going to go off in like 10 minutes. So we'll, we'll always do your best. Uh, your best is going to change from moment to moment. It will be different when you are healthy as opposed to sick. Under any circumstances, simply do your best and you will avoid self-judgment, self-abuse, and regret, which is, of course, always do your best. I mean, we, we I'm sure, intellectually always strive to do that, if, whether or not we do that or not, you know, who knows? Yeah, and I think this, uh, you mentioned the mama mentality earlier with Kobe Bryant. Um, you know, that was, that was something that it was amazing to see, like, you know, I'm going to school for sports management right now. So it was a, you know, everyone obviously knows who Kobe Bryant is, but, um, one of my professors that same week after he passed was, you know, he was having, um, having drinks with his neighbor and he saw like his neighbor was almost moved to tears by this 
and the neighbor was in a totally different field, like I want to say an engineer or something crazy like that, and who okay. has never watched basketball in his life and is a, is a nerd and was like, wow, like this, and especially like the daughter too. And that was something that moved a lot of people. And it's something that, um, you know, like a tragedy like that, but the whole mama mentality thing, I think it's about doing your best, right? It's not about beating everyone else. And obviously Kobe was the biggest competitor, like the Michael Jordan level of that, but it doesn't mean that, um, you know, I think Kobe would say that, you know, from what I remember watching his documentary called Kobe Bryant's muse on Showtime, it's a, it's a good one. I remember him saying that he doesn't, he doesn't play to win or hate to like, he doesn't, he doesn't like winning more than he hates losing. Like Michael, like different athletes have different takes on this. Um, when you talk about the elite level, like a Michael Phelps, he, I, I think if I remember correctly, he's like, I hate to lose. That's what drives me. I don't want to lose. And I think him being a superstar at such a young age, that that's kind of what drove him. Like he didn't know what losing was and that was like his comfort zone and he had to maintain that. But I think with a guy like Kobe Bryant, who, um, you know, as a rookie wasn't, you know, the, the superstar that he became, you know, he struggled early in his career. Um, as an 18 year old kid, he wasn't like LeBron James, who was an immediate, um, all-star and, you know, Kobe kind of had to earn his stripes at the beginning. I think he would say that, well, he says in this documentary that it's not like he hates to lose or he loves to win like to an exponentially degree than, than we all do. I think he, he says that he like he, he plays to learn. He plays because he, he likes the game. And, um, I think that's what kept him going throughout his career. It's not like he he hated to lose or loved to win more. It was like more of a, um, each game was a learning experience to him, which is crazy to think about for someone who is at the top of their profession. Like he, every game he would take something new and learn from it. Um, so I think that was a benchmark himself. Yeah. So he wasn't really trying to be the next Michael Jordan. I'm sure like he would say that he would say that publicly, but I'm sure he was trying to be the next Jordan, so to speak. But, I think he was trying to be the best Kobe that he could have been. Um, and I think that's what you mentioned, the Mamba mentality, so to speak. Um, I think that's what that's all about. Uh, my roommate, my roommate first couple of years in college was, is from the Southern California area and he's a, he's the biggest Kobe Bryant fan that you can think of. And um, he almost like worshiped the guy and we watched his last game together and all that. Um, but uh, I think that's what it comes down to just the doing your best. Um, I think that's what, the Mamba mentality, so to speak, is about, it's about doing your job every day to, to be the best that you can be. Yeah. And, and it was such a tragically awful and sad um, time when he and his daughter passed with the other people that were in the plane or helicopter. Um, And also one of those things that once you hear about his life and see you know everything that he had done and um the way he lived and the way he uh, was a competitor it's it's truly inspiring you know to reinforce that it's important for all of us to always do our best and not just a superstar but like have that superstar inspire you to my father one time um he loved john wayne and he had me watch this movie, The Cowboys. And The Cowboys is about John Wayne is taking cattle um, from one 
place to another in the United States and his farm hands are all young boys. And they're all like green young boys who have never been ranch hands or cattle herders before. And they are ridiculous at first. And then by the end, they are so inspired and they're like real cowboys and they do this great job. And it's like in his honor that they work so hard. And I remember my dad being like, I was going to work at Magic's Pub and he was like, now go bust those tables like they've never been bust before, you know, but yeah, anyone can inspire you to want to be better, but it's important to inspire yourself on a daily basis to do your best in all aspects. Absolutely. It's, it's having no regrets because you, you did everything that you could have, you know, I think, um, you know, regret is overrated in my, I think you regret more from the older individuals that I've talked to, I think, um, you know, they, they regret the things that they didn't do more than the things that they, they actually did. Um, if that makes any sense, they, yeah. you know, they, you know, I think, um, it's, it's having no regrets cause you, you did everything that you, that you did what you thought was best at the time. And I think that's good enough, you know, I think, and then you take that experience and, and apply it to the next one. And um, the most extreme. Do you find your age, like, do you think people are afraid to put themselves out there because they're under scrutiny on social media? Like for me, like, I don't care. I'll start a podcast. I'll Instagram every day. Like, I don't care. Um, You know, I'm doing what I do because I want to do it. And I don't want to regret not saying something or not doing something I want to just say and do everything I want to say and do do you think that's something that's like generational that like maybe your generation doesn't always do like their thing because they're concerned about what everybody thinks or yeah I just think in general probably right like the younger if you're younger you're still um trying to find your way a little bit and when you're older you kind of your identity is is more set and you you've experienced more things um but i think especially now with the kids growing up with the the social media and you know i i wouldn't i couldn't even imagine having a a teenage daughter with growing up in this in that era i think we our generation was lucky with like we kind of grew up on the tail end of it but um yeah I, it's something that what reminds me of is Russell Westbrook, who's an NBA player, this was in a press conference a couple of years ago, I want to say, and he said, "I've been blessed with the talent to not give a fuck." Um, yeah. And he said it like, and and the reporter kind of tongue in cheek was like, "You want to expand on that?" And he's like, "Well, I have a great wife, I have a great family, I love my job, um, I do pretty well for myself, um, I wear crazy stuff to the game because I want to." I don't really care what you think about it, but I'm just doing me. I'm doing Russell Westbrook. Um, so awesome. I think people there, there's, there's a certain, I think there is a, you know, things that it's, it's a quality that some people are just born with, I want to say, but I think it's something that can be developed as well. You know, as you become more comfortable in your skin, um, you know, the, the skill to not give a fuck, I think it's something that, we're drawn to in a sense. Um, and or to give that a fuck about for. things that matter. 
Right. And that's essentially what that means. It, it means, it, again, it, it doesn't mean to not care about anything, but it's about the priorities, right? And um, I think that's the, that's the challenge. You know, what, what, are the, what are the fuckworthy things to give a fuck about? Exactly. <laughs> well that's the, said. That's the, kid, the kid version. For, the kid version. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, George, I really appreciate you coming on again. And, um, you know, let's pick our next book soon and do it again. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Of course. Um, so I will wrap it up and then you can stop recording and then I'll chat cool. with you for a few more minutes. <laughs> yep. And then I'll, I'm going to try to check. Go yeah, ahead. Sorry. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to try to take a screenshot of this too. If you want to make this like the cover. Okay. Uh, let me see if I can figure this out. All right, ready? Three, two, one. Yeah. Did it work? Right, so let's do it. Yeah, it worked. <laughs> so I can, I Thanks can forward you that. that. Yeah. So I'll forward well, you that. And then everyone for checking us out and uh for george for coming on again and uh if you like what you listen to definitely subscribe rate review if you want and uh give us some feedback let us know what you liked about it and what you'd like to hear in the future and we look forward to talking to you again thanks a lot george i really appreciate it thank you take care <laughs>